0: It's Rumination Tuesday on the September the 27th in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be taking a look with Pastor Mark Smith, the hymn, I Know My Faith is Founded. It was written by Erdman Neumeister, who died in 1756. He was an Orthodox Lutheran pastor who was an opponent of of pietism and a prolific writer of hymns. He had 722 original hymn texts in several collections and a detailed explanation of Luther's small catechism. He served in pastoral roles in Weissenfels, the court of Sora and the Jacob Kirche in Hamburg. He wrote texts for some of J.S. Bach's cantatas and was a close friend of another fierce opponent of pietism, Valentin Ernst Loscher. In 1718, he published a collection of hymns, and the book contained new hymns with suggested tunes for the Gospels assigned to the Sundays and feast days of the church year. The present hymn was written for the second Sunday of Easter, whose Gospel was and still is John chapter 20. There are a few altered translations from the tlh we don't know who the translator was but this is the hymn of the day for proper twenty two which of course is this coming sunday so pastor mark Smith have you used this hymn very often i've i have used it it's
1: uh it's not one that I use a whole lot, but I've, I've used it on a number of occasions, and I plan on using it this Sunday.
0: I am also using it, probably as the sermon hymn. Same it's here. It's really kind of important when it begins with, I know my faith is founded. Because I ask the question, upon what is your faith founded? And it has, within the hymn, a very good point that's made where our faith is not founded, and yet where it is founded. So if you would go ahead and read the first stanza, please. Okay. I know my
1: faith is founded on Jesus Christ, my God and Lord, and this, my faith confessing, Unmoved, I stand on his sure word. Our reason cannot fathom the truth of God profound, who trusts in human wisdom, relies on shifting ground. God's word is all sufficient. It makes divinely sure, and trusting in its wisdom, my
0: faith shall rest secure. That is an excellent first stanza. In fact, it would also go very well with last week's reading uh, from the Gospel, where Jesus talks about, well, Dives and Lazarus. Dives is the rich man, Lazarus is the poor man. They both die. Dives to hell, Lazarus to heaven. And Dives asks Abraham to send someone back, namely Lazarus, to tell his brothers to warn them. And Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. And Dives says, but if someone returns from the dead, that will convince them. And Abraham replies, no, even if someone returns from the dead, that will not convince them, and my sermon was all about how we properly witness. We don't witness by using our reason or by using evidence that some have. We call them evidential apologists, and they tend to think that we can give evidence for re- on the part of reason to help a person become converted. But boy, this hymn really shows that that's not possible. Yes,
1: who trusts in human wisdom relies on shifting ground. God's word is all sufficient. It makes divinely sure, and trusting in its wisdom, my faith shall rest secure. So that's why, uh, that's why Abraham directed uh, Dives, uh, the, the rich man in hell, uh, right. said, no, you, they've got Moses and the prophets. Let, they, let them hear
0: them. Now, a lot of times when somebody hears Moses and the prophets, they think the Old Testament is just law. Would yeah. you agree with that?
1: No, there's I'll tell you there's a lot of gospel in the Old Testament. There's, there is enough there's enough gospel in the Old Testament to bring a person to Jesus Christ. You look at Isaiah 53, you look at Psalm 22, uh, there's plenty in there. It's all about Christ. So, yes. he's absolutely right. Moses and the prophets is is really uh plenty to bring somebody
0: to Jesus Christ. In fact, there's no doubt that we're gonna hear about it that apart from the Holy Spirit giving faith, nobody can understand the scripture. Nobody that's can right. rely on it. That's right. I made they a- just don't get it. And that's, that's why it's the- that's why it's so
1: important that uh that we get the gospel out. Because uh people uh they don't they don't listen to the scriptures. And uh, go ahead, Tom. I interrupted you.
0: Yes, the fact is, I know my faith is founded on Jesus Christ, my God and Lord. Now, there are those who think about Jesus Christ like Muslims—that He rose from the dead, He was born of the Virgin Mary, etc. But they do not consider Him god and lord no and so it's not enough just to talk about the history of jesus christ one has to talk about the promises connected to that history because that's what faith is exactly so when you go to a hospital and it doesn't matter why they're in the hospital What's your main point in your prayers and your devotion
1: well the gospel of course uh I, I i bring I bring the gospel to bear you know the the promises of christ that's what's important to them and uh they're already uh, the fact that they're in the hospital is already uh, a good indicator that they've they're facing up to the law, just like at a funeral uh, that is uh, the people look at the casket up front and they they see the inevitable result of their sins and death. Uh, they need to hear the gospel, same thing in the hospital. people need to hear the gospel, and that 's where they that that what that 's what enables them by that gospel, the Holy Spirit enables them to cling to those promises of Christ and eternal life
0: in my congregation of twenty eight years I was at. There were a lot of members I had whose relatives were not Lutheran. So when one of my members died, the relatives, of course, would show up to the funeral. And I would preach the understanding from the Book of Concord, namely salvation by grace through faith. And there would always be people as they left the church or after the funeral coming to me saying, I've never heard what you had to say. Why are they ignorant of what we have to say many times?
1: Well, because uh, the gospel isn't being preached, uh, uh, particularly the fact that, you know, the heart of the gospel, that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. In fact, by the way, that's, that's the, uh, the main message of the Old Testament reading Habakkuk. Where he says, "The righteous shall live by his faith." That's the heart of the gospel. It's by by grace through faith alone. It's not by works, but by faith in Jesus Christ. It's clinging to His promises.
0: Yeah, what I really like about that uh, Habakkuk um, reading is he puts himself in the place of many of his listeners who are complaining that God is asleep, or not hearing them, or he is idle in his work, and so they take a look at their experience to try and decide God's relationship to them. And that's always a bad way of looking at God, is it not?
1: Right, absolutely. We don't we don't take any go any comfort from our own experiences that is that is not solid ground to to uh
0: to base our hope the best experience of course occurs in a worship service or when we're talking the catechism to the children or when we're reading the bible at home or when we hear a prayer i you know as I have shared with you, uh, I had 6,000 books through the seminary, and a congregation received them with joy. They came and picked them all up, and after they were gone, I found about another 100 books I'm going to be sending to them that uh, were lying around in the offices that I have. One of them was an old hymnal. And I started looking at it. It was not a Lutheran hymnal. And one of the hymns was talking about, we know that we will be saved because when we believe in Jesus Christ, we do good works. Huh. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> We don't put our trust in our works. No. We do good works as a life of sanctification but it has nothing to do with our being justified. Our being justified comes through trusting the word of God Moses and the prophets or we would say today and also the gospel and the epistles. That's the way the two New Testaments are divided by the Bible. But I can't believe how many, even pastors, don't agree with this statement. Our reason cannot fathom the truth of God profound, and so I, I keep wondering. They, they know that to be even part of our catechism. Remember the third article about the Holy Spirit. What does that say about? Yeah. I cannot by read? my
1: own. I cannot by my own reason or strength. Believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, but that the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctifies and keeps me in the one true faith. Yet we cannot, by our reason, even believe.
0: Yes, well said. That's a good memory you have there, Mark, because that is absolutely critical. So do you understand why people are trying to use reason and evidence to get people to believe the gospel? Well, it
1: I it may seem to be logic to them, but our our reason is you know, it's tainted by sin.
0: Yes. I was reading uh individual who had attended one of these meetings and he was told at the meeting that the reason we try and use evidence there are certain things that people already believe that get in the way of faith. But if we can get rid of that belief in this false teaching, then it opens the way for the Holy Spirit to create true faith. And I was saying, well, that that is terrible to say that. Because if you're talking to someone who's an unbeliever and they don't come to faith, then it's your fault that you haven't given them a good reason why they should come to faith, and therefore, wow, you're really siding with the devil in that.
1: Yeah, and you know what? If you look at the gospel for today, that's uh, Luke chapter 17. It uh, it warns the person for causing these little ones to stumble. And that, yes. would include, that, include, that would include urging them to look to their own reason for assurance.
0: I use that verse to show that those who are in the gay movement and are unrepentant are actually folks who are child attackers. Uh, What do we call a person who fools around with a baby? A pedophile. Right. And the reason why adoption centers do not want to give children to gay couples is because they will tell the children that the gay lifestyle is okay in God's eyes. And that's... What that Bible verse you just quoted says we are not to do, because that sin occurs not only by actions, but also by words which are said to others. And that's a real problem that even pastors today, some of them, are talking about what we consider to be illegal lifestyles, that they're okay with God, because that's what you were born with.
1: Yeah, that that goes for that goes for any denomination that teaches that uh same-sex marriage or you know the practice of homosexuality is is good. Uh that's right. I mean, it's a sin. And we've got to got to face up to that. Of course there's forgiveness for that sin if we repent and turn to our Lord Jesus Christ hearing the gospel. But uh but we we can't back off of what sin
0: is. In fact, that's what kind of stanza two begins by saying, I'll read that. Increase my faith, dear Savior, for Satan seeks by night and day to rob me of this treasure and take my hope of bliss away. But Lord, with you beside me, I shall be undismayed and led by your good spirit, I shall be unafraid. Abide with me, O Savior, a firmer faith bestow, then I shall bid defiance to every evil foe. That's really a good verse to tie in with the Old Testament lesson from Habakkuk. Namely, that a lot of times Satan seeks to rob me of the treasure by pointing out that God seems to be asleep in my life, he's not hearing me, and he is idle in answering my prayers. you have any comments with stanza two?
1: No, it's a great verse. We need to be warned of Satan all the time. Satan seeks by night and day. It's it's like Peter warns us Satan is like a a prowling lion, seeking someone to devour. He's on the on the uh, on the watch and always ready to uh, evil love evil misery loves company. He'd like to have us at his side for all eternity.
0: And he does that also in the life of Jesus. It's just not in the wilderness that Jesus was tempted, but he was tempted throughout his ministry when his own disciples at times disagreed with him, when the religious leaders of Judaism wanted to put him to death. All he had to do was agree with their theology and he would have saved, them, saved himself from death. But he chose not to do that Because what was the purpose for which he had come into the world?
1: To go to the cross, to redeem all mankind. And, uh, Tom, Satan was there behind Herod and his henchmen trying to kill even the infant Lord Jesus, just like Satan is behind this terrible scourge of abortion
0: uh, that we contend against these days. Well said. Would you read stanza three, please? In faith, Lord, let me serve you.
1: Though persecution, grief, and pain should seek to overwhelm me, let me instead, in steadfast trust remain. And then, at my departure, Lord, take me home to you, your riches to inherit as all you said holds true. In life and death, Lord, keep me, until your heaven I gain, where I, by your great mercy, the end of faith obtain.
0: attain. Yes. Notice that he's asking to serve the Lord, even if he is persecuted, has grief, has pain but let me a steadfast trust remain. In other words, he serves the Lord through a steadfast faith. He doesn't serve the Lord to get saved. He serves the Lord because he has been saved. It's a big difference between justification and sanctification.
1: Yeah, he he, he praised the Lord that he would give that steadfast trust that uh, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, let me cling to your gospel with all my might and give me the power to do just that. Give me the faith to retain that uh, precious
0: promise of eternal life in Christ. Yes. Stanza 2 talks about being led by your good spirit, and the word spirit is capitalized referring to the holy spirit and that's how we get a firmer faith bestow the the more you preach a sermon i'm i'm reading a book that had been recommended to me about metaphors and it's just amazing how many metaphors god uses in the bible and a lot of times those metaphors need to be explained. For example, how many times have we said, Jesus is the Lamb of God? Now that's a metaphor, right? Right, absolutely, yes. But you know what's interesting? What is it metaphorically saying then about Jesus?
1: He's the, well, he's the Lamb of God. He's, uh, He's the, the, great, the ultimate sacrifice that takes all our sins away. He's the lamb without spot or blemish, without any sin whatsoever.
0: Have you noticed something you didn't say, which properly you shouldn't say? No lamb ever was sacrificed and then was raised from the dead. Yes, of course. So if people just think of Jesus as the lamb, they miss out on the resurrection. Good point. Excellent point. But they hit the point that you made so well, that when we talk about the lamb, you know, that was one of the animals. They put the blood over the doorway when they left Egypt so that the angel of death would pass over. But that lamb... Didn't rise from the dead uh, It's amazing how many metaphors another metaphor is that Jesus is shepherd Now, how's that different? What's the point being made there in contrast to him being a lamb? Well, I,
1: I think of that passage uh, My
0: sheep hear my voice
1: and I know them and They follow me And I give unto them eternal life, and they will never perish, neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. He is the good shepherd, and he knows his flock. He knows each of us individually. In fact, he has elected us for salvation.
0: Yes. In fact, the shepherd imagery is much better understood as shepherd with Psalm 23. Right. How does that start? Uh, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yes. He leadeth me. Go ahead. Well, the whole psalm then talks about Jesus as shepherd, uh, whereas other psalms talk about him as a lamb. And you need to understand and explain in your sermon what the metaphor is really pointing to, uh, because uh, a lot of times they'll say, well, Jesus is the lamb of God, Who died for our sins and rose for our salvation well no lamb ever rose for our salvation so there you would have to move to Jesus as Redeemer how do you understand him as Redeemer that's another metaphor
1: yeah
0: he's uh, he's he's bought us back exactly the word bought needs to be in there Well said that he bought us because that's how they would redeem a person from slavery. They would pay a certain amount. What did Jesus pay?
1: His not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and
0: with his suffering and death. So
1: suffering and death.
0: Exactly. So I'm going to use this hymn as the sermon hymn, because by then, the Old Testament reading, which I'm preaching on, will have already taken place. And I'll introduce the hymn by reminding them of what Habakkuk said. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Smith. You had some very good comments making on I Know My Faith Is Founded, which is the official hymn for this coming Sunday. Tomorrow on Law and Gospel, we'll continue with examining the book of Proverbs that once more increases our faith in the wisdom of Jesus. Until then, God bless you.